everyone, and welcome to the English Like a Native podcast, the podcast that's designed to help you to improve your English. I'm your host, Anna, and today I'm going to be talking about habits. Today, it's January 5th. Today, as I'm recording this, it's January 5th. So the talk at the moment is all about New Year's resolutions. I see it everywhere. It's in the papers. It's on the news. Everyone's just chit-chatting about, what's your New Year's resolution this year? Now, a New Year's resolution is basically a promise to do something or to stop doing something. It's like a goal or a commitment to start a new habit. So people tend to say things like, my New Year's resolution is to lose weight this year and get fit or to drink more water, to be more healthy, to make healthier food choices. I'm going to be a vegetarian. That's my New Year's resolution. So it's usually focused around fitness and health. Or it might be that you want to read more books or to study something like a new language. So it's all about goal setting. Now, the problem is that New Year's resolutions have a bad reputation. (laughs) We tend to fail when it comes to our New Year's resolutions. And there's a number of reasons. But let me backtrack and start by telling you about my fridge. (laughs) Um, Yes, a very curious thing for me to say, but I have a little story about my fridge. I have a very big fridge. It's one of those tall fridges. There's no freezer compartment in the fridge because often... In, in a house, you'll have a fridge freezer. Can you hear that aeroplane going overhead? I'll just wait for it to pass. Hopefully they're going somewhere nice. Yes, a fridge freezer, which is usually a fridge at the top and then the bottom half is a freezer. Or you have a fridge with a small freezer compartment inside it, which is normally as you open the big fridge door, there'll be a, a, a door within the fridge that you open and that's the freezer section, which is usually very small. Now, our fridge does not have any freezer element to it at all. There's no freezer compartment and it's not a fridge freezer. It's just a standard tall fridge. And this is wonderful because we buy a lot of food being a family of four. So our fridge has a big door on it. and it's taller than me, and it's actually built into a cupboard. I think it was actually from Ikea. Our whole kitchen was here when we bought the house. It's an inbuilt kitchen. So you open the cupboard door, and the cupboard door is attached to the fridge door. It's very clever. As you open the cupboard door, it opens the fridge door. Now, initially when we moved in, our fridge already had a child lock on it, which is amazing. Because when we moved in, within three days, my first child was born. So we were going to child-proof the house anyway. And so this fridge came with a child-proof lock. It was a little mechanism that required you to, with one hand, pinch 
the lock to release the strap and then open the door. So it was a little bit fiddly. It took a while to work out how to do it, but we became we became a dab hand at it after a while. We were able to do it quickly. We formed a new habit. We were able to do it without thinking once we got used to it. Then, after a while, this thing broke. The strap that was acting as the as the lock, as the restraint, the strap snapped. It snapped in two, so it didn't matter if it was locked or not, the strap wasn't there in place, so it wouldn't hold the fridge door shut. However, because I'd been so used to going to the fridge door, pinching the mechanism, releasing the strap, and then opening the door, it was really hard to stop doing that. Even though the lock wasn't working, I'd still go to the fridge, pinch the mechanism, release the strap, then open the door. It was so silly. Have you ever done anything like that? Just by force of habit, just do something you've always done without thinking, even though it's no longer necessary. Did you hear the phrase I used there? By force of habit. It's when you are on autopilot, when your body is just working without thinking. So you've done something so many times, it's just habitual habitual behavior like muscle memory, you've done it by force of habit. So that was the first thing with this fridge door. I couldn't stop doing this little pinching thing. Well, I did eventually, but it took a while. Then the next thing on the fridge to break was one of the hinges that held up the cupboard door. The cupboard door for the fridge compartment. The cupboard door is a huge door, bigger than me, about six feet high, and it had three hinges holding it in place. The top hinge had completely broken. It snapped and it was not holding the top of the door in place. The second hinge was looking a bit dodgy. It was looking a bit dubious. I didn't trust the second hinge. And over time, the door was starting to lean out more and more. And we couldn't shut the door. So when we opened the fridge door, the top of the door would lean out. So as we went to close the fridge door, we always had to do this special maneuver. We'd have to lift the door up to then close it. It wouldn't just close normally. You'd have to lift and close. And we did this for months It was gradually getting worse, but every time we'd lift and close, lift and close and lift and close. So this became a new habit when it came to dealing with the fridge door. Eventually, I said to my partner, look, it's getting worse. It's a big door. We've got two young children here and it's all just working on one hinge. Eventually, that's going to snap under the pressure and someone is going to be flattened. So please, let's take this door off its hinges completely. We can just use the normal fridge door. We don't need this big cupboard door. Let's take it off and get some new hinges and fix it, please. So my partner, he's very handy. He's a bit of a handyman around the house, good at DIY. And so he grabbed his tools, undid the hinge, and we took off the door. And so now we have this large fridge that's tight inside the cupboard that's been built around it. It's a big fridge and it's heavy. 
and it's so tight, it's very snug inside this cupboard that it's not very easy to put your hands in <laughs> and move the fridge. So there was no there was no way we were going to get the fridge out. You couldn't you couldn't get a hold of the fridge to move it around. And the fridge doesn't have any handles on it because well, this kind of fridge, you'd open the door just by wrapping your fingers around the edge of the door, but you couldn't do that because it's so snug inside this cupboard. So without the front of the cupboard, the big cupboard door attached to the fridge door, it was very hard to open the fridge door. So what we had to do was do a full squat a deep squat down to the floor to put our hand underneath the fridge door where we could really get a hold of it and open it that way. (laughs) It was probably a great thing because it meant that every time we needed to go into the fridge, we had to do a full squat. So we were doing at least 15 squats a day going in and out of the fridge for milk and food and snacks and things. Now... Eventually, my partner was able to get the right hinges and replace the cupboard door, reattach it to the fridge door, and everything was working as it should. As a normal fridge door, you just open and close it without a squat, without a lift maneuver, and without the squeeze pinch maneuver for releasing a child lock. It was just very simple, just pull and push. However, we continued to automatically squat (laughs) in front of the fridge every time we wanted to get something out. And once my partner got past the squat, because he took a lot longer than I did to break that habit, once he got past the squat, he started doing the lift again you know, the old habit of lifting the door that we'd done for months. It was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. You'll be glad to know that both of us have kicked the habit of squatting and lifting and pinching. We're now able to function as normal human beings, simply pulling and pushing to open and close the fridge. (laughs) Okay, so... I used quite a few phrases there, didn't I? I used kick the habit break the habit. But I didn't tell you about the phrase old dabbit, old dabbits, old dabbits by hard. <laughs> old habits die hard. I'll come back to that. So what is a habit exactly? Well, when we are using our brains, when we're problem solving, we're actually using a lot of energy. So if you are trying to work out how to get somewhere for the first time, you have to think a lot. You're looking around, you're planning your route, you're walking the route and figuring it out as you go. It's taking a lot of brain energy. Now, habits are part of our nature. To form habits is the brain's way of being more efficient. So if we do something repeatedly, our brain starts to hardwire behavior. So it makes these permanent neurological pathways so that we don't have to do problem solving every single time we need to do a task. If it's a repeated task, 
our brain has said, it's okay, we've hardwired that one in, just do the same thing as you did last time. We've already programmed it into your brain so that we don't have to use too much energy working this out time and time again. So things that we repeat become hardwired. And this is why we have this phrase, old habits die hard, because actually studies have shown that once these habits are hardwired, they never really disappear. They continue to exist. Now you can change and override a habit, but it will always be there. And therefore it's easy to fall back into old habits, to fall back into old routines. So to fall back into something is to just easily start doing something again that you used to do a lot. So old habits do die hard. It's very difficult to break a habit, a habit that's old, a habit, something you've done and repeated many, many times. Can you think of any old habits that were hard for you to break Have you previously been a smoker or a meat eater or a vegetarian? And then you've changed, you've changed your behavior. Did you find it easy or did you find it hard? Often the longer you've done something, the harder it is to change. But like I said, you can change and you can override your habits. They will always be there. It will always be relatively easy for you to fall back into them. But you can break the habit. Now we say break the habit when we're talking about stopping a habit, but we can also say kick the habit. Okay, so you kick a habit. You might kick the habit of smoking when you decide that you don't want to smoke anymore. But what you need to do in order to kick a habit or break a habit is you need to change your mindset or change your environment in order to interrupt your old way of doing things. And then you need to get into the habit of doing something different. So you get into the habit of doing something. For example, let's say you think that you drink too much coffee and you want to kick your caffeine habit. If the first coffee of the day is a coffee that you buy en route to the train station, then you could kick the habit by taking a different route, walking a different way so that you don't pass the coffee shop. So you don't smell that lovely aroma of coffee coming out of the coffee shop, which will just definitely make you crave coffee. So you go a different way. You change your environment so that you're not tempted to buy a coffee. So that'll help you to break the habit of having your daily coffee on the train. Another phrase that I want to leave you with is the phrase, nip it in the bud, nip it in the bud. I have used this phrase a number of times before in previous episodes, but just to remind you, to nip something in the bud is to stop something before it becomes a big thing. It actually comes from gardening. So a bud It's like a a flower bud. It's a a wrapped up teeny tiny promise of a flower, something wonderful that's about to come. (laughs) 
But metaphorically, in this case, a bud could be anything that's about to grow and become larger. Normally, if you need to nip something in the bud, the bud is a problem, something you don't want. It could be a habit. So I know that I have a real weakness for sweet food. I have a sweet tooth. If you have a sweet tooth, it means you really like sweet foods and you find it hard to resist desserts, chocolates, anything like that. So if I find myself having the same sweet regularly, for example, recently or in recent months, we've been adding a large tiramisu dessert. It's an Italian coffee-based dessert. We've been adding a tiramisu dessert to our shopping list and buying it in on a weekly basis. And then most nights after the children go to sleep, we serve ourselves up a portion of tiramisu. Now, this was happening every week for weeks and weeks, and I could see that this was becoming a bad habit. It interfered with us doing our intermittent fasting, which is something I like to do, where we don't eat after six o'clock. And, you know, eating a dessert every single day, that's bad in itself. It's bad for your teeth. It's bad for your, um, for your body in general. And it was becoming a, a real problem. So I said to my partner, we need to nip this in the bud. So we need to cut the bud. We need to stop this from becoming a permanent thing that we do, a bad, bad habit. So what did we do? We simply took the tiramisu off our shopping list because we have our shop delivered to the house. We do our online shopping. So we just took it off our shopping list. And therefore, when we got our cravings at night, there was no tiramisu to be had. So we couldn't indulge, even if we wanted to. And that was very easy to nip in the bud. Okay, so I hope you found today helpful. Some of the phrases that we talked about were by force of habit, to do something by force of habit, that old habits die hard, that we fall into old habits or fall back into old habits, we have to break a habit or kick a habit if we want to stop doing that thing. Or we have to get into new habits or we have to get into the habit of doing something new. And if we start doing something we don't like, we should nip it in the bud. Now, before I leave you, because we are coming to that time in the show, before I leave you, I'm going to give you a little laugh, a little giggle by sharing with you some fridge-themed jokes. <laughs> okay, so the first one, wait for this. I bought a friend a fridge for his birthday. You should have seen his face light up when he opened it. And that's when you laugh. So imagine lots of canned laughter in the background. <laughs> canned laughter is the phrase you use for laughter that has been pre-recorded that's usually added to things like um, sitcoms, uh, shows like Friends, for example, had a lot of canned laughter. So they would they would put in a recording of people laughing because often it was recorded in front of a studio audience or they wanted it to feel that way. 
So they'd always have this pre-recorded laughter called canned laughter, as if it'd been put into a can and preserved and then used when someone told a joke. So bought a friend a fridge for his birthday. You should have seen his face light up when he opened it. (laughs) Great. I hope you enjoyed that one. Okay, next fridge joke is... Got a great fridge magnet. So far, it's got me seven new fridges. (laughs) So it's not a fridge magnet that you put on the fridge. It's a fridge magnet that attracts fridges. Very funny. Okay, next one. I was upset when my freezer stopped working, but it's all just water under the fridge now. (laughs) Yeah, because it sounds like water under the bridge, which means something that's a problem or an issue that's now passed, that's been resolved or been forgotten. Water under the fridge, a pun. Okay, next one. It was so frosty this morning that I opened the fridge to heat the house. There we go. Why did the chap throw the contents of his fridge out of the window? Because he wanted to see the butterfly. (laughs) All right, you still with me? Okay, here we go. I was going to put my slices of meat on the top shelf of the fridge, but the stakes were too high. (laughs) Okay, so if the stakes are too high, this is a phrase meaning there's too much to risk. What's at stake, what's at risk is is too high, it's too dangerous, it's too risky. But here, obviously, we're referring to steaks as in the cuts of meat, the steak. The steaks are too high. Very funny. Right, last one. Make sure to knock on the fridge before you open it in case there is a salad dressing. (laughs) And that brings me to the end of this podcast. If you'd like to download the transcript or work with the interactive transcript, If you'd like to get some additional speaking practice and join my fabulous community to help you improve your English, then consider joining my club. I'll leave a link for all the details about the Elan Club in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Do take care and goodbye. If you're interested in improving your English and working on your pronunciation, then why not check out my courses on www.englishlikeanative.co.uk. Until next time, take care and goodbye.